Hi there, and welcome to my Fashion Stories Box podcast, a podcast about stories in fashion history. I am Catherine, and I am so glad to welcome you here. Let's discover together interesting facts about fashion and history and fashion history. Before internet and the boom of social media, how Rose Bertin, Charles Frederick Worth or Jeanne Paquin were showing their collections to their clients? This is what we are going to discover together today. Of course, you would tell me they had paintings and fashion plates at that time or even photographs. However, I decided to focus on ways where you could physically see and touch the garments. In this episode, I will focus on four main ways, but you will see they could be downsized to only two, the two mothers of fashion showcasing. We will talk about the Pandora dolls, their origins and how they had a political status at some point. We will see the development of the fashion shows and how designers used them as a marketing tool. And based on these two main practices, we will see how Pandora dolls evolved into the mannequins you can see in shop windows and into the famous Théâtre de la Mode after the Second World War. We will also see how the first fashion shows evolved into the press weeks, first and then into the fashion weeks. We are going to mix marketing techniques and fashion history in this new episode of my Fashion Stories Box podcast. Our first stop today is the Pandora dolls. The origins of fashion dolls are one of the many subjects scholars disagree about. Some say they were first used in Italy during the Renaissance, some others say it was in France during the 17th century. What we are sure about is that fashion dolls were commonly used during the 16th century and would see their golden age during the 18th century to spread fashion in the different royal courts of Europe. Indeed, a letter dated 1515, written by Federico Gonzago, was found in which he asked his mother, Isabella d'Este, in the name of King of France, François I, to send fashion dolls at the French court so that French tailors could copy her styles to make French women dressed the Italian way. Here we have a short description of the purpose of fashion dolls. They have the particularity to be known under different names. Fashion dolls, Pandora dolls, Poupée de Mode, Queen Anne dolls even. Why Queen Anne? Well, it seems that Anne, Queen of Great Britain, born in 1665 and died in 1714, was a big fan of these dolls, and she would have her tailors create a copy of her outfits on them. She wasn't the only one to love these dolls. Mary, Queen of Scots, Madame de Pompadour, mistress of French King Louis XV, Marie Antoinette, Queen of France, all fabulous and influential people had their own Pandora dolls, sometimes life-size, wearing their outfits a way not only to assert their style, but also to pay tribute to their own wardrobe. The name Pandora Dolls itself to refer to these fashion dolls was adopted starting from 1642. Pandora Dolls were made either of wood or plaster. 
They usually had a painted face, sometimes with glass eyes, and the hairs were done with flax, wool, or sometimes real hairs even. The purpose of these dolls, as you can already guess, was to physically showcase the main fashion styles of this time before proceeding to produce them. Remember that during the 17th and 18th centuries, garments were handmade. It took time to produce the fabrics, the embellishments, to cut them, and they were pretty expensive compared to today. So it was an investment. And before any investment, you want to see how it will look like. So the Pandora dolls were a tool used by tailors, milliners, dressmakers, and then fashion merchants to show how the final garment would look like in order to convince people to order. Pandora dolls were also used to spread the latest trends. At that time, royal courts were where fashion trends would appear, and each court would want to have the monopoly on fashion. The court of France in Versailles became quite, quite successful in this, and Pandora dolls were used to spread the Versailles trends as they were sent to other European courts. This is was Rose Bertin, the Minister of Fashion and the designer of Marie Antoinette, did with her designs. Sometimes they were accompanied with directions on measurements and types of fabrics and techniques to use so that it was easier for local tailors to recreate the style. Remember again, at that time, people would dress the same way as kings or queens and not because of the name of a particular tailor. Before the 19th century, nobody really knew the name of the people creating the garments. They didn't have the cult of the designer as we have now. It was more the cult of the queen or king. So our Pandora dolls were a powerful marketing tool, but not only. They also became a political tool. During one of the many wars upon opposing the two main powers of the 18th century, France and England, in 1712, fashion dolls were exempt from embargoes. They obtained a passport to free travel between Paris and London, and even had a cavalry escort. Fashion more important than wars? Who would have guessed? Throughout the 18th century, Pandora dolls became more common, and not just for the elite and their dressmakers. As they were commonly used to spread styles throughout the world, they would also be, they could also be used to hide secret information. Hmm, I'm sure James Bond would have loved a Pandora doll as his James Bond girl, no? It can seem silly and funny, however, Napoleon I took the threat seriously. Indeed, he banned the use of fashion dolls in the fear that they would be used to pass secret messages. You see? In the meantime, with the development of illustrated fashion magazines and then during the 19th century with the apparition of photographs, fashion dolls were slowly downgraded to window mannequins to display fashion garments and accessorize before they were made to finally lost their prestige. At least for a while. Our second stop for today is the fashion shows. With the fallout of grace of the Pandora dolls, a new practice appeared among fashion players to showcase their creations, fashion shows. 
The first to have organized such an event was no other than the man considered as the father of modern haute couture, the first recognized designer in history, Charles Frederick Worth. The legend has it that he asked one of his saleswomen to wear a shawl and to walk down with it. This action would have given him the idea to organize a show to showcase his creations with models in flesh. In the 1860s, he would be the first one to present his collections on real models in his salons. The first fashion shows were private events organized for the designer's clients in private venues or inside the fashion houses. They were very basics, with no music and only models walking down the venue. It was more a fashion parade than a real fashion show in our modern understanding of it. However, some people would tell you that the first fashion shows were even older than that, and that they started during the Renaissance with the birth of fashion in the main royal courts. The rise of Versailles as the dominant court during the 17th and 18th centuries would have transformed it into the main catwalk of that time, where fashion trends would be born, developed, showcased by the kings and queens and mistresses to then spread throughout the world. Hmm, what do you think about this idea? Afterwards, other designers would use the show concept to showcase their collections, first keeping it private for their clients, then making it more and more sumptuous. Beginning of the 20th century, fashion shows or fashion parades were organized not only in Paris, but also in London and New York. However, these were small and private events just for buyers, where photographers were forbidden to prevent copies. The first to organize a fashion show as a performance as we are used to was the English designer Lucy Christina Dove Gordon. In 1911, she opens her shop in Paris and, to celebrate this event, organizes a real show with her model's striking poses. The name of this show was Gowns of Emotion. And it would be the first of many other spectacular shows which would transform fashion shows into theater through dramatization and taking place in beautiful venues. This show is also emblematic as it would introduce the notion of front row, so dear to our fashion weeks. In an article published in Harper's Bazaar UK in January 2022, Maria Constantino, lecturer in cultural and historical studies at the London College of Fashion, says about this show the following. Quote, Lady Dove Gordon presented her gowns of emotion and we saw probably for the first time models appearing on a stage with scenery, lighting and music while their entrances were choreographed with pauses. The theatrical innovation, complete with a printed program, not only introduced the first fashion shows as a performance, but it also introduced the idea of showing fashion to a larger assembled audience, albeit an audience of the same social class and tastes who attended by invitation. Unquote. She also adds, quote, this introduction of the stage was also significant because it established the divide between the audience and the models, as well as the spatial distribution of the audience itself, who occupied which seats and where. Unquote. 
The 20s would be rich of this kind of show performances. Think about Paul Poiret, who was the hero of a previous episode of my Fashion Stories Box podcast, but also Jeanne Paquin, who in 1923 would incorporate music, dance and decorum in a show she organized on the Théâtre Place de Londres. And Coco Chanel would also have her say by introducing the model walk with the American dancer Irene Castle. Hips forward, sloping shoulders, one hand in a pocket, and the other one moving. On the other side of the Atlantic, American retailers started to organize fashion shows at the beginning of the 20th century. They would showcase haute couture outfits from Paris or copies they did from the originals. It was a common practice at that time for American retailers to go to Paris, watching fashion shows and then creating their copies. This would last until the Second World War, during which the United States would develop their own fashion style. Fashion shows organized by retailers were a way to attract potential consumers in their stores. After the Second World War, the practice of organizing fashion shows would follow the air of the time. Music would take the ascendant on the shows. For example, Mary Quant would ask her models to dance on the catwalk. Shows would also be more original with venues outside the fashion house of the designer. In the swinging 60s, Balmain presented his collection in a wine cellar, Pierre Cardin on the banks of the Seine in Paris, and Paco Rabanne at the Crazy Horse. Over time, the fashion shows became real shows in which the staging would be as important as the collection itself. As examples, Thierry Mugler in the 80s, John Galliano for Dior, Alexander McQueen and his remake of The Death of the Swan for his 1999 spring-summer collection. And before them, Elsa Schiaparelli in 1938 with her show Circus. A real show and fashion where the venue and setup is as important as the concept of the collection. Not to forget Christian Dior when, in 1947, he introduced to the world his new look. Fashion shows became also political, with Yves Saint Laurent and his Libération collection in 1971, whose show would create a scandal, taking inspiration from the years of war and occupation. And what about today's shows organized by Chanel, Dior, where you have full installations created, sometimes historical venues booked? I can't help thinking about Marika Tranzo's spring-summer 2020 collection, shown at the Temple of Poseidon in Athens, or about Özgür Masur, a Turkish designer, and his haute couture 2020 collection, Byzantium, shown in a setup recreating Byzantine churches with music evoking the rich past of the country. Did you know that in the 50s, haute couture fashion shows could have up to 250 models and could last more than one hour and a half? Almost a movie. And completely different from the 20 minutes max today's shows last which makes Olivier Salard, French fashion historian, say about fashion shows, quote, We sell off ideas. We wait for them to start longer than we watch them. Unquote. Did you already felt disappointed by the lens of a fashion show where you wanted more? Tell me, I'm curious. We are now smoothly arriving to the third stop of our today's episode, 
the birth of fashion weeks. We saw how fashion shows appeared and how they became real artistic events, not just marketing ones. How did we end up having fashion weeks? Well, the origins of fashion weeks and fashion shows are the same. A fashion week is basically a, fa- a week of fashion shows, right? However, the fashion shows were organized in a disorganized way and naturally regularly. They were organized according to the designer, even if seasons were respected. You had fashion shows for the spring collections and fashion shows for the winter collections. As the organization was a bit messy, it was difficult for buyers to organize their schedules. In 1943, Eleanor Lambert, a fashion publicist working in New York, decided to put some orders and established a particular time frame for designers to showcase their collections. It was also linked to the fact that at that time, Europe was in full Second World War and France, and especially Paris, occupied. American buyers couldn't travel to Paris to assist the designers' collections, and French designers were cut from the world because of the occupation and the war. To cope with this situation, and also to boost the emerging American fashion, Eleanor Lambert organized the first fashion weeks. Back then, they were known as Fashion Press Week, of Press Week. These press weeks were organized following the main seasons, spring, summer, and autumn, winter, at the same time, in New York, and framed by then the New York Dress Institute. Now it's the Council of Fashion Designers of America. The first press weeks, as its name states it, was exclusively for the press, the journalists. Buyers had to book separate appointments to see the collections and to order. It was a way to make American designers discovered and recognized by fashion publications as Vogue or Harper's Bazaar, and consequently by their readers. So, basically, 1943 is the first date to remember when it comes to the creation of our modern fashion weeks. The second date to remember is 1945, and the creation of the fashion calendar by Ruth Finlay. This fashion calendar was established to make sure that a clear program would be established for attendees to attend, meaning that scheduled clashes between all designer shows had to be prevented at all costs. 1945 is also a year to remember as the creation year of the second fashion week, which was, drumrolls, the Paris Fashion Week by first La Chambre Syndicale de la Haute Couture Parisienne. And in 1973, the La Fédération Française de la Couture, the French Fashion Federation, took on the organization of the, fashion, the Paris Fashion Week. The first Italian Fashion Week was organized in Firenze in 1951, but Milan was then chosen over Firenze, and the Milan Fashion Week, or Settimania della Moda, excuse my... F- French-Italian accents, was created in 1958. Most shows are organized by the National Chamber for Italian Fashion. The London Fashion Week was born in 1984 and was organized by the British Fashion Council. Interestingly enough, the London Fashion Week was the first fashion event to use the terms Fashion Week. 
Nowadays, Fashion Weeks are organized twice a year, in September-October to present the next spring-summer collections, and in February-March to present the next autumn-winter collections. To make the fashion calendar even more packed, you have the ready-to-wear Fashion Weeks, the Haute Couture Fashion Weeks, and the Cruise Collections, which are organized between two seasons and which were first organized in the United States during the 20s. On the top of that, you need to add menswear, women's wear, bridal, children's wear. It starts to be very confusing, right? And journalists and buyers select the most interesting designers they want to see. Unfortunately, not everybody. New York, Paris, London, Milan are considered as the big four of the fashion weeks, the main fashion capital cities in the world. However, nowadays, there are more than 140 fashion weeks organized around the world. When I was living in Istanbul, I was making sure to try to attend one way or another, the Istanbul Fashion Week. In Moscow, I have been invited to a show during the Moscow Fashion Week. And if you are looking for inspiration and creativity, I highly recommend you to look at local fashion weeks. These events make fashion more inclusive of local fashion traditions. If the first fashion shows were restricted to the designer's clients in fear that journalists and photographs would take pictures and would copy the designs, and if the first fashion weeks were only for a restricted list of journalists, our modern fashion weeks combine both, journalists and buyers. They even focus more on celebrities, influencers, VIPs, to turn each show into a powerful peer action and a sales machine. However, more and more fashion players started to criticize the fashion weeks, the organizations, the calendar. Some designers decided to exit fashion weeks and to organize their fashion shows at their own rhythm, meaning at the rhythm of their clients. What's more frustrating for a potential client than to see an outfit you would be able to buy only in the next season? The concept of Fashion Week seems far from the see-it-now-buy-it-now attitude linked with our consumption habits. Others are criticizing the schedule itself. Too much, too packed, re-questioning even the use of the Fashion Weeks. What would be the future of Fashion Weeks and how would it look like? Let's see. Here comes our last stop for today, the Théâtre de la Mode, a mix between Pandora dolls and fashion shows. If you remember from the beginning of this episode, after a golden period, Pandora dolls became mere mannequins used in shops without any personality. They would do a fashion comeback in 1945 with the organization of Le Théâtre de la Mode, the fashion theater. What is the Théâtre de la Mode and what was its purpose? Le Théâtre de la Mode presents itself as a touring exhibition whose goal was to promote the French fashion know-how after the Second World War and to raise money to reconstruct the country. It was organized by La Chambre Syndicale de la Couture Parisienne. The first exhibition took place in Paris at Le Pavillon de Marsan at the Musée des Arts Décoratifs from March 28th to April 29th, 1945. 
1945, and it was visited by around 100,000 people. Then, it started its worldwide tour until 1946. At the origins of this initiative was Raoul Dautry, the head of L'Entraide Française, whose mission was to provide war relief to the French population. Robert Ritchie, vice president of the Chambre Syndicale, and Lucien Lelon, president of the Chambre Syndicale, would set up the exhibition, Le Théâtre de la Mode, to give back to Paris its status as fashion capital. Elegance and Paris are inseparable. It's all of Paris, this theater of fashion. It's smile, it's creed, it's sweet, it's charm, and it's eternal soul with all its revivals. It is Paris, again, with its measure, its delicacy, its style, which adorns the era with an unexpected jewel full of grace and tact, and which, in the ephemeral history of fashion, marks the spirit of constancy and of duration, characterizing our sense of construction. What a beautiful plea for Paris as capital of fashion, right? Paris, the theater of fashion. It will become a sort of propaganda, using fashion as its core. The exhibition was composed of around 230 dolls, which members were made of wire and faces made of plaster. They measured between 17 70 and 80 centimeters, and they were designed by Eliane Bonabel and Catalan sculptor Ribol. The brief was that the organizers wanted to avoid the toy connotation linked with dolls. They take their inspiration directly from the Pandora dolls. Each doll was dressed with replicas from French designers' collections, and nothing was forgotten. Hats, accessories, hairstyles, everything was there. They presented between one and five looks from the spring-summer 1945 collections. Designers as Schiaparelli, Hermès, Balmain, Nina Ricci, Lucien Lelong, Jean Patou, Jeanne Lanvin, Balenciaga participated in this action alongside furriers, milliners, shoemakers, jewelers at Cartier and Von Cliff and Harpel, and hairdressers. The dolls were then, then set up in 14 theater sets representing sceneries from Paris, Palais Royal, Champs-Élysées, Rue de la Paix, Place Vendôme, and created by famous decorators of that time as Emilio Terry or Jean Cocteau. Here, a big recognition should be made to all the small hands who created the outfits. 1945, it was still rationing in France. Everything was lacking. Nevertheless, they managed to find fabrics and other materials to create tiny buttons, pockets, shoes, bags, hats, belts. And it was for everybody implied a pro bono action, as we would say nowadays. So no money earned at the end. The Théâtre de la Mode was a big national effort and solidarity movement to make France raise its head from the war and the occupation. When I told you fashion was stronger than wars. After Paris, the exhibition went to London when it stayed for six weeks. Then 
it will tra- it will travel to Barcelona, Stockholm, Vienna, and in other cities in, in Europe to finally end in New York in 1946. Then the dolls were stored away and everybody forgot about them. Sad, right? In 1952, they were moved to the Mary Hill Museum of Art in Goldendale, Washington. They came back to the light in 1983, when they were found again by historian Stanley Garfinkel. They got restored and put back on display again. You can find some examples at the Mary Hill Museum of Art and at the Musée des Arts Décoratifs in Paris. What a journey for these dolls, right? And do you know that they still inspire fashion and culture? Let's just take the Barbie launch in 1959. Always fashionable. Isn't she a Pandora doll? And what about the Moschino Spring Summer 2021 show? Pandora dolls meeting the Théâtre de la Mode. And an exquisite, at least for me, way to showcase a collection. You can even spot Anna Winter's doll in the front row. Or Dior with Le Petit Théâtre de Dior the fashion house organized in China in 2014, and in the movie of the brand's autumn-winter 2020-2021 collection. Nothing is new under the sun. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my Fashion Stories Box podcast dedicated to showcasing fashion, from the Pandora dolls to the first fashion shows, the Théâtre de la Mode and the Fashion Weeks. I guess you won't look at mannequins in shops the same way now. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen your podcast, to connect with me on Instagram and Facebook to complete the podcast with some visuals. And if you like my podcast, feel free to leave a comment or a review. I would really appreciate it. I am Catherine, and this is my Fashion Stories Box podcast a podcast about stories in fashion history. See you next time for a new fashion story box. Fashion Story Box